when the roof comes off, when we remove all the limits, when we allow not one barrier to stand in the way, what happens? When we believe that God has something to do for us, that God has something to offer us, to what extent will we go that we will receive that blessing from him? What stands before you this morning in your personal life that stands as a wall, that stands as a barrier, that stands as something between you and that next chapter, you and that next blessing, you and your healing, what is capping you off this morning? How many times have you come to church where you've felt the presence of God, you've worshiped in the presence of God, and yet you just couldn't go to that next step with him? And here in this morning's text, we're going to see four men, four men who decided that they were not going to allow themselves to be capped. They were not going to allow themselves to be held with any sort of boundary. We speak our own boundaries in place at times. We speak our own limitations. And God is saying, no, no, take the limits off. Remove that which you are holding over your life that is causing you to be held in a place that I've not called you to be held in. These four men had a purpose. They were not going to let anything hinder them from achieving and from accomplishing what was in their heart. They had a friend before them, and that friend was very limited in his scope of ability. He was crippled from birth. He could not do anything in and of himself, but these four friends took up the cause for him. These four friends said, no, we are not going to let anything stand in the way from doing that which we must do so that you could be made whole, so that you can walk in the purpose that God has called you to walk in so that you could do all that God has planted within you. You see, the enemy wanted to keep a man crippled. The enemy wanted to keep a man bound to his bed. The enemy wanted to keep that man as a memory. There is sin in your life. There is boundaries in your life. And I'm going to hover over you so that you can't go further. You can't be set free in the freedom that God has for you. And so these men said, no, we are not going to be held in that bondage. And we're looking at Mark chapter two. We're gonna focus on verses one through five. And it reads like this. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together He was at a home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 2 again. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. No more room not even at the door, because the word of God was being preached. No more room, not even at the door, because Jesus was in the house. 
And these four men had heard rumors that Jesus was in the house. In the King James Version, it said that it was noised that, it, that Jesus was there. It was noise. In other words, it was going around in the town. Did you hear Jesus is here? Did you hear that guy Jesus has come? Did you hear that man who's been performing miracles is in the place? Did you hear? I heard that he's up the street at the house on the third. On the, on the right hand side, have you heard that Jesus is in the place? And there began to be a murmuring and a noise within the community that Jesus was in the house. And it was drawing people to see who was was this Jesus because they had heard that many had been healed you see in Mark chapter 1 we see a, a man that was bound mentally by demons and he was possessed and what happened to that man when he encountered Jesus he was set free en route to Capernaum they went into a home and she was bound with a fever what she was set free and it was rumored in the community that Jesus was healing that people were being set free it was rumored in the city and so people were drawn to this house because they wanted to hear and meet this man You know, COVID has done a number on churches today. You see, when COVID first happened, everybody was, oh no, what will we do? Churches across the world did whatever they could to provide their congregations with the word of God. In this house, we provided the word of God to our congregation through a cell phone. And for several months, a cell phone was held up while Pastor Dino preached. So that we could bring the word of God to your home. And we were happy to see that the word of God was getting into the homes of those at Logos. And that the Logos family was sharing it with their family and their friends. And so that the word of God was spreading. And there was a large audience that was watching and following the word of God as it was going forth from this house. And now COVID has, I want to say, gone away. Now that COVID has settled down and we're back into the worshiping place where Jesus says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Don't forsake the assembling of the saints. We see a diminished audience. COVID was good when we needed to get the word out. But COVID did a number. You see, COVID in the long run filled people with fear that some are still afraid to go out, lest they be in contact with the virus. Some people are still uh, uh, afraid and bound to their homes. And there's no judgments on that. We leave that between the individuals and God. But there are those that it has nothing to do with fear. There are those that have not, it has nothing to do with the concern of of coming in contact with the virus, there are those that have not come back to the house of God because they've become lethargic. They've become lazy. They've gone to the church of the couch and the church of the bed, and they're watching God in their pajamas. I don't feel like getting up and showering. I've had a busy week. Well, we've all had busy weeks. Huh. And so they've gone to Jesus in the convenience, but what they have missed out in that tangible presence of God, what they have missed out is in that one-on-one -on -one in the community of the faith of the believers. COVID has done a number, but it was noised within the community there in Capernaum that Jesus was in town and as many as could gather they went to that house interestingly enough we are not told whose house it was we are not told the owner's name by any measure and so we don't want to give attention to whose house we want to get give attention to who was there you see it's not about logos it's about Jesus being present in Logos. 
It's about the noise of, have you heard what's happening at that church? I've heard that people are being healed. I've heard about a man who went to the service and he was healed. I've heard about a woman who went to the service and she was in pain and the pain was completely gone. And it's about being rumored within the community that something is happening and the something is not about us the something is about Jesus and that's why we don't know whose house it was in Capernaum where they all went together that's why we don't know where the location exactly as it was but we do know this that King Jesus was in that house and when the king makes his presence in a place he calls it his palace he calls it his domain and wherever the king is is the authority of the king and so we want to make this place a place where the king jesus comes where king jesus comes and his authority dwells here that if he's going to interrupt the service that he has full authority to interrupt that service that we don't hold them within a limit of a box. It's from this hour to this hour that this will take place. It's from this moment to this moment that this will be said. No, we will follow into the king's authority. That all that takes place in that house will be according to his purpose and his plan. When I went to Africa, We went to this one uh, community, Robasingo, if I'm saying it correctly, if I'm saying it incorrectly, forgive me. And um, as we went into that community, uh, we met in one of the village churches, in, in the village church, it was very small. Let's say it was just the, the, um, the width of this side of the, of the, of the uh, what is this room called? Thank you. The width of this size of the sanctuary and about halfway up, maybe a quarter of the way up. And I'm telling you that every single person that could get there was there. It was crowded, more than crowded. And I thought, how are they going to get another person in this place? But they did. And you know what? Those that couldn't get in they were come peeking in through the window. And there were a couple of kids peeking in through the window because they wanted to, to hear what we had to say. And so everyone had gathered and I couldn't believe how many they could fit in the one room and where there was not a chair, there was somebody standing. Where there was not somebody standing, there was somebody on the floor. There was inch by inch people. And when they began to worship, they didn't let the person standing them be a limit for them to get their move and their dance before the Lord they just dance before the Lord and if they wanted to break out and and run around in that very jam-packed spot they did nothing limited them when we started to worship God and when the word began to be preached it didn't stop them from standing up and shouting hallelujah when the Lord and the spirit of God bore witness within their heart there was nothing in that atmosphere and in that village church that was was just made of straw nothing was going to contain them nothing was going to hold them back if, if they felt that they wanted to stand up and scream hallelujah and they did nothing was going to hold them back they were going to encounter everything that they could encounter in that moment preach the word of god and i had an altar and Some came forth and where do you put them when they're already in front of you? But they manage. They manage because they want to be prayed for and they manage to shimmy their way in. But there in the middle was a woman. And that woman was bound by something. And she began to take away what God was doing in ministering with the people there at the altar in the sense that she began to make noises that was causing others to turn around to see 
what's going on? And I said to the translator, I says, you need to take authority over that. It needs to be bound in the name of Jesus and cast out. He says, okay, go ahead. I'm thinking I don't even speak her local language. That's why I got you to interpret. (laughs) So I thought, dear Jesus, I'm not quite sure what's happening, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to go in your power and in your grace. And, and I, I just went as I could, as best as I could, through that little area. And I said, just one thing, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And she would, began to kick and twist and turn. I'm not sure how her body in the natural could do it. But that spirit began to manifest. And as best that I could, by the power of God, because she was bigger than me, I just kept my hand on her head, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And then she would scream out, and she would holler. And so finally, I just said to her, in the name of Jesus, be silent and come out. And the enemy was released from her life. Those that were there after we began to pray, they continued to pray, but nothing was going to prevent her from being set free. The enemy was manifesting himself, but God was in the house. The presence of Jesus was in the house, and he was not going to share his glory with any devil. He was not going to share his glory with any demon. And so what did he do? Yes, he may have allowed that demon to show his ugly face, but he was going to take the authority, and that woman was going to be set free by the power of God. Why? Because the those people gathered and they were not going to be limited. They were going to be experiencing whatever God had for them. And so these men came. Why? Because in Mark chapter 1 verse 28, it said, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. What had happened? Jesus healed the man of the unclean spirit. Jesus had started his ministry and it went up and as he's starting his ministry, many are experiencing his touch. And many are becoming set free. Verses 38 and 39, let us go on to the next town, Jesus said, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. What was being preached in that house? What was happening in that house? When it says that, and many gathered so that there was no room, and he was preaching the word to them. What was he preaching? Mark 1.15 could give us an understanding of what he was preaching, and it says this, And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. And in other words, it equates to this. God's reign is at hand. His power is being unleashed. Turn your life around and put your trust in the gospel. The good news. God's power is being released. His power is released when? When there is faith in the room, when there is faith in the atmosphere, when there is longing heart that is there listening, I want to hear what's being said. When there is an expectant heart that says, I'm coming to receive from the word of God today. You see, the word of God always has food for us, always has nourishment for us. And so when we come expecting to receive, we will receive. When you go to the tap and you take it a, a glass and you put it under the tap because you're expecting water to come out, whether or not you fill the glass full or whether you fill it half full, 
Your glass is being filled white because you expected that when you put your glass under, the water would come out. If you come to church expecting, you will receive. If you come to church with a heart open to receive the word of God, you will receive the word of God. Whether it's one verse that is preached or whether it's a whole chapter that is preached. Whether it's one verse that is focused on or whether it's bouncing all over to prove that one verse. If you have come expecting to receive the word of God, you will receive the word of God because Jesus fulfills his word he is the living word he is the word that came to dwell among us according to john 1 14 and he became flesh and dwelt among us he was the living representation of the word of god we may not have the living tangible jesus standing in front of us as you see me standing in front of you but we have the very presence of jesus with us because one we have his word and his word is truth and his word is jesus i speak jesus over my family. I speak Jesus over my home. I speak Jesus over my city. How could we sing that song with such confidence if we don't believe the power that is behind the name Jesus? Oh, but when we sing the song, we we grow in our faith, we grow in our confidence because we know that behind the name of Jesus, there is power. Behind the name of Jesus, there is authority. Behind the name of Jesus, every demon in hell has to be silenced and bound. Behind the name of Jesus is an accomplished work. And that accomplished work is the cross. And that cross represents our salvation. Because on that cross, he shed his blood for us. And where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But because of the accomplished work of the cross, and because of the remission of our sins, we know that behind the name of Jesus is salvation behind the name of Jesus is eternal life there is nothing that I can do in of my own strength no works I can clean this church head to toe I can manage every ministry within this church I can have governance of anything that I want to do but it will not give me the kingdom of God doesn't matter what work I do with my hands If Jesus is not behind that work, it's just work. Oh, but when Jesus is behind the work, then he does his his work. Take your glass, put it under the tap this morning and say within yourself right now and if you must say it out loud so that your ears can hear it so that it gets doubly embedded within your spirit. Lord, I'm putting my glass under the tap. I'm putting my glass under the spout where your power will come out because I've come to receive from you today. Why? Because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Might be saved. And that salvation comes through believing Jesus. Jesus. So nevertheless, even though we don't know whose home it is, We're invited to soak into what took place. We're invited to take these five verses and say, Lord, I want that in my life. I want to be in that place where nothing limits me from receiving from you. And so I'm hearing the word of God. Archaeologists have said that when they have done done some diggings in that area of Capernaum, that they have found homes. Now their homes are not, re- that when they have found homes, they are not represented as you and I would know our homes today in North America, two-story bungalow, whatever you want to call it, three-bedroom, four-bedroom home, flat studio, condominium, da, da, da. it's not like that. It was usually a one or two-room home. And the most of that home could 
could uh, hold in a sitting would be approximately 50 people. So if those archaeologists have uncovered the home that possibly Jesus was in at that time, perhaps we could say that maybe 50 were in that room. But they did not have homes as we have it. But they had something that some of us don't have because we are not engaging with it, because we are not allowing it to have full authority, they had the presence of Jesus. You see, the presence of Jesus in the home makes all the difference. I found it interesting that when these four men appeared to the home to receive their blessing, they couldn't even get in the door. Now, Maybe I'm reading too much in it, and you know what? For what it's worth, don't take it, take it or leave it. But they couldn't even get in the, in the door because Jesus was in the house. Now the text is pointing towards us that so many people were in the house, they couldn't get past the door. But you know what I really like? I really like the thought of this. I'm taking it and personalizing it this way, that when Jesus is in the house, not even the devil can get past the door. Because everything and anything that comes into my house is placed under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing of the enemy will enter that place. And so picture Jesus... Picture him packed in this place and picture these four young men with somebody who is paralytic, with somebody who is crippled, and they come to the house carrying this body. Now, you know what? They didn't have mattresses like us today, you know, these big double top. Like, I don't know, sometimes you need stilts to get on your own bed or you have to run to jump and get up on the bed because like they come with big platforms nowadays, right? You can't even buy sheets to fit our, our mattresses today. But anyway, you get in bed, the sheet pops up over there, pops up over there, you wake up in the morning a cocoon because the sheet's all rolled up because they make the mattresses too high. But there in the biblical days, they didn't have those kind of mattresses. They had mats. You see, so when they, wherever they went, they just brought their mat with them. Let's go to bed. Okay, everybody rolled out their mat and laid down and went to sleep. And so this man was carried on his mat, on his mattress. And so when the, the men get to the house, what happens when they arrive there? They see that they can't enter in. There's no way. But they wanted to experience the healing blood of Jesus. They wanted to experience, we call it the healing blood of Jesus. They wanted to encounter God's healing that day because they had heard the noise in the community. And when they get there, they can't get in. Nothing stopped them. Nothing stopped them. Nothing stopped them. Nothing stopped them. I think you need to get that in your head this morning. Nothing stopped them from encountering Jesus. Nothing stopped them. Not the kids squirming behind them. Not the man sleeping in front of them. Not the one muttering on their phone. Nothing stopped them from experiencing Jesus. They came with a purpose and that purpose was to meet with Jesus so that their friends can be healed and nothing was going to stop and these four young men managed to get on the roof of that house how they got their friend up on the roof who took off their tunic to tie him to that bed so they can hoist him up I have no idea but they got their friend on the rooftop the four of them plus the friend Perhaps two went first and pulled up while the other two pushed up. I don't know, but they got on that rooftop and they're not home like ours. We've already discussed that, so they don't have roofs like ours. They didn't have a skill saw. They didn't have a pick and a shovel. They had just themselves. 
And even though they did not have a pick and a shovel, and how do you, you may say, how do you even know they didn't have that, Pastor Melody? Well, because I believe that the word of God would have said, when they got there, they didn't have, and so they gathered from what they had in the community. No, they got on that rooftop, and they began to pick away. You see, the branch, the, the rooftops in those days were made of branches, and so the branches would cross over each other, and then mud would be be put in between. Now that mud and branches was a strong enough substance that they could walk on the rooftop because in those days when there was a second story to a home, they were able to walk on the rooftop. Did Rahab not hide somebody in the rooftop? Yeah, that's how strong those branches in mud were. And so these young men decide that they are going to get inside they are going to encounter Jesus they are there with a mission are you here with a mission today to encounter Jesus are you here to receive from Jesus that deepest need that is in your heart today are you going to do everything you can in your power to get up close and personal with the living Jesus and they began to tear away the roof (laughs) those poor guys underneath Jesus is so powerful leaving the roof is coming down Perhaps was their thought. Imagine standing there listening to Jesus or sitting on the floor and a piece of mud hitting you in the head. I believe God is so perfect and Jesus is so perfect that maybe that guy would, that might have been dozing off got hit in the head right at the perfect time to wake up. I'm just kidding around to make sure you're all awake. But imagine these men digging and tearing away at the roof so that they can get their friend down and finally they make a hole. And they begin to lower their friend in. Now again, I don't know how they lowered their friend in. I don't know if two went down and said, okay, now you lower him to us and we'll make sure he lands nice and carefully. But they lowered him in. They lowered him in, and the word of God says this. And when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, do you know today that as we were worshiping, and as we were singing, as we were engaged in that place with the Lord, he looked down on you and he saw your faith faith he saw what you are standing in the gap waiting for he saw what you are believing for he saw that you were singing the words but your heart had no interest in them he saw that you came out of duty and obligation it's Sunday I need to be in the church but your heart was not fully engaged you see Jesus sees the whole picture. Jesus sees our whole nature. He knows our thoughts from afar off. So therefore, when I am in church, if my hands are raised and from behind it appears to you as though I am worshiping, Jesus knows in that moment if my mind is taken over to another care, to another worry, to another problem, and I'm neither here because my heart is there. Jesus knows exactly how you were lowered into his house today. He knows exactly how you walked through those doors today. He knows where you were last night He knows what you were doing in the night hour. He knows what you were doing in the middle of the night when you should have been in bed. God knows he sees all. And when they lowered their friend, he saw their faith. Can faith be found in the house of God this morning? Can faith be seen in your life this morning? When Jesus watched 
you during worship. When Jesus saw your hands raised, did he see your heart of faith being lifted up before him? Did he see your belief going before him and saying, God, 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 because sometimes we don't have the words to say over our situation. Sometimes we just don't know how to articulate our problem. Sometimes all that we can do is say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he hears his name and he looks and he sees our faith. And so as he saw this paralytic man being lowered, he didn't correct them and say, whoa, do you not see that you're interrupting me as I'm preaching the word? Whoa, what are you doing destroying this house that has been built? Jesus, in the midst of preaching his word, looked up and saw the faith. He didn't correct them. If he did, the word would have said it. He didn't correct them. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. This is where it gets touchy, brothers and sisters. Because you know what? There are people in the house this morning that by the Spirit of God, they're revealed to him. He knows who you are and you've been crippled by the sin in your life. You've been crippled by the sin in your life. What does sin look like? Well, I'm not here to judge you, but there are sins that we can mention. Unforgiveness, it's a sin. Anger, it's a sin. These are sins of the flesh, of our mind and our emotions. What are some other sins? Drunkenness is a sin. Profanity is a sin. Oh, we can list off a whole bunch, but you know the sin that is in your life. And you may be walking with two legs. You may be singing and praising God with two arms and a voice. But you have sin crippling you from the blessing that God has for you. And you know that your sin is crippling others around you from receiving what God has for them. Because here's the thing. When your life experiences the freedom that comes from Christ, those that are around you are going to want it too. Because they're watching you and they see you bound and they see you held captive, and they see you limited, and they're asking, how could their God be real when they have all that going on? And I'm not talking about when we face problems in our life and people challenging us because the problems we face in our life. Because when we face problems, when we are fully reliant on God, you know what the watching world says? I don't even know how you do it. I don't even know how you're managing all that. How could you ever go through? There's that testimony. I'm not talking about those kinds of problems. I'm talking about the problems of the sin nature and it how it keeps you ensnared and how it keeps you bound that then you get to the place that the only way you can experience the true freedom in Christ is that somebody would carry you. You know what my question is today? It's twofold. Who needs to be carried to Christ here? Oh, don't raise your hand. That's not why I'm asking it. You ask yourself. Who needs to be carried to Christ today because you are so paralytic by sin? The other side of the question is, who do I have to carry before the Lord in prayer because they are so paralytic by sin? Who, God? Who do I need to bring before your throne daily? 
Who do I need to press past the crowd? Who do I need to go to the next level for so that they can experience the freedom you have for them? Who, God, who must I carry before you in prayer? You see, don't think you're off the hook just because, oh, maybe you're sinless. Oh, I don't have any of those sins she mentioned, so I don't count. I'm free. No, 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 no. If you are in that place where you don't have that limitation, you are not held or you are not crippled or you are not paralytic by it, you have now a greater responsibility because there are people that are in need of your prayers because they are being bound. So whether you have to be carried before the Lord because of your sins or whether you have to carry others before the Lord, we are all in a place of going before the Lord for this faith that he will restore, that he will heal. You know what happened in the room? You know what happened when this man experienced his healing? Well, it says in verse 6, and I didn't give it to the back room, but they could call it up because they're quick enough. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their heart. Do you know that that's happening here right now? It is. It is. Questioning in their heart what? Why does this man speak like that? Why is she preaching like that this morning? Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they had questioned within themselves. You see, we have to speak the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. Have you ever been in the court system and had to go on the judgment seat? That's what I call it. I've had to do that. What, how, how do you choose to swear in today? I don't even choose to swear. Okay, no, how do you choose to swear in today? Do you choose to swear in on the Holy Bible or do you choose? And they have a means in which you can swear in. On the word of God. I choose to swear in on the, on the word of God that I will tell the truth, nothing but the truth and the whole truth. And as much to your recollection, you will be as truthful and accountable to the situation as best as you can. I will absolutely, as much as I can, to the word of God be accountable. We have to preach the truth. We can't just dance around the, the issues and speak what, what seems to be the carnival-style church so that we can jam people in because we got cotton candy and we've got ice cones and we've got all that stuff to draw people in so that they could like church. But we have the word of God and that's all that the people need because when the word of God goes forth, it brings truth, it brings liberty, it brings healing. So we're not a carnival church. We're not looking to to bring the people in by all the fancy things that we can offer. We're looking that we could offer them the truth. And when Jesus was preaching the word, the house was filled. It was packed. When Jesus began to demonstrate his power, who is this? Who is this? Because there's always skeptics doubting. But Jesus said, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And what did the paralytic do? He rose immediately, he picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed. 
And when they were amazed, what did they do? They glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. We've never saw anything like this. Why? Because of the power of God. Because of the power of God. So that even doctors can be amazed at what he's doing in the lives of people. So that your co-workers can know that you're different because you serve a living God. So that those around you get the residue of the Jesus that is on you and in you. Ever walk by a person that has a very nice cologne or a perfume? They're way over there, but their fragrance is over here. Why? Because the fragrance lingers. Oh, that you would have the fragrance of Christ on you, lingering that even after you have finished your shift, even after you have finished your shift, the fragrance of Christ remains there, that your employer would be blessed because he hired you. Jesus says, what? What? It's going to be better that I just healed him? What about his sins? It's like when we pray for somebody to be healed and they're not a believer, and we pray and pray and pray that they would be healed. When my father-in-law was uh, dying of cancer, um, we wanted him to be healed, of course. And I says to Dino, but the most important thing, Dino, is that he believes in Jesus as his Savior. Because if he is healed, what will it merit him? But if he believes in Jesus and is healed, then others will hear. But if he believes in Jesus and is not healed for us here to experience on earth, at least we know where he is going. What is the greater healing? Jesus is wanting to ask them, what is the greater healing? That his sins are forgiven or that he is healed physically? I say, let's heal the sins so that if the physical healing falls with it, so that if the man doesn't experience a physical healing, at least should the Lord call him home, we know that the man would be in the presence of God oh that we would pray for men and women to experience the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ on their sin sick soul and when he went away they were all amazed and glorified God at what they had seen does your life cause people to glorify God shaking their head I can't explain it but it must be God you heard me tell the story of when my mother had the the COVID stroke um, last last year um, March 2021 and she had the COVID stroke, rushed to the hospital, get to the hospital, they did an exam, they, they saw the size of the clot, determined they had to rush her to McMaster Hospital, excuse me, not McMaster, Hamilton General Hospital. And so they rushed her to Hamilton General Hospital. Um, at this time, she wasn't able to move anything on the right side. She wasn't really coherent of anything, unable to communicate. And so um, I followed behind the, the ambulance, and I had conversations with the doctor through my Bluetooth and, and um, the, doc, the doctor team that, that was going to be receiving her. So as soon as she arrived there, they had an MRI. They located exactly where the area of the, the clot was, and they immediately did surgery to remove the clot. She was put into ICU. The last time that I had had conversations with her that day was at five minutes to five when she was wanting to go upstairs to watch some TV. And I says, Mom, just stay here. Dinner's almost ready. The lasagna is just about ready to be eaten. So she sat down, 
Had she have gone upstairs, I would not have known that the stroke took place. She, when she went to let the dogs out, she was acting very odd and strangely, and I was talking to her, Mom, what are you doing? What are you doing? She wasn't responding back to me, so I just figured she didn't hear me. So when she was facing me, I says, Mom, what were you doing? She's tapping the window rather than letting the dog out. It looked like she was teasing the dog. And when she went to open her mouth, nothing came out but jargon, jumble, mumble. So that was my last conversation with her. And then when they allowed me to go up into the ICU, I went into the room and I says, Mom, how are you feeling? It's Melody, as if she doesn't know. And she says, oh, I'm good, you? I just stood there. I looked at the nurse. I looked at her. I looked at the nurse. And the doctor was at the foot of the bed. He was just a young ICU, maybe intern of sorts. And I said, she couldn't speak. He goes, yeah, we can't explain it. We don't think she'll be too long in this ICU. The next day, they transferred her. Meanwhile, guess what Logos was doing? See? There's always somebody that has to carry another. The next day, she was transferred out of ICU and put on the stroke floor. And the doctor stood at the edge of her bed. There were six of them on the Nero team. And... Um, She's like, what is everybody? And he's just shaking his head, and she says, what? Is it bad? And he says, you don't understand the size of the clot that we removed. They couldn't explain that she was sitting up in bed. And she says, well, that's God. And he says, I will have to agree with you. You see, we all need somebody to carry us. Whether that be for our healing physically, whether that be for our healing spiritually, whether that be for our healing mentally, we all need for somebody to carry us. We all need four friends to cover all corners, the north, the west, the east, the south of our lives and carry us to the healer that we may receive our healing. But sometimes, sometimes, sometimes there are skeptics around us. Sometimes there are those that would not believe. When I seen the ambulance um, paramedic, excuse me, when I'd seen the paramedic later, about a week or so, I think it was, I, I can't remember exactly, um, she had asked and she learned that my mother had come through the stroke. By the way, she has full mobility. Yeah, from somebody who couldn't move nothing on the whole right side and couldn't speak, she has full mobility and, and language. The paramedic said she could not believe it because of what she saw. And she wasn't very hopeful to the outcome. We need to take the limit off. When we come to church, we need to take the limit off. We need to dig through it to get to it. Dig through it to get to it. Dig through the word. Dig through the word until the healing of the word manifests itself in your life. Dig through it to get to it. They dug through the roof. They dug through the roof to get to who? To, to Jesus. Why? Because what was in Jesus? He was the healing. Why? Because the living word of God was their healing and he was standing before them. And when he spoke the word... The man was set free. The man was healed. Speak the word of God. Take the word of God and speak it over your sin life. Are you bound to something on your computer? Take the word of God and say, Satan, you're not going to use my computer as a weapon formed against me. I'm not going to be ensnared by those images that I'm seeing. But the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Father God, 
I pray your blood would cover my eyes from seeing things I ought not see on the computer. You need to take the area of your struggle and put it to the word of God and put the word of God over your area of struggle. The weakness in your body, speak the word of God over your weakness. I'm not talking name it and claim it. I'm talking take the word of God and speak it over your body because the word of God is life and healing to our bones and our sinews and every part of our body. Take it and read it over yourself. Don't let anything limit you. When the master was exalted and they began to glorify God, how many more were set free in that room? How many more? You see, this morning, some of you will go home blessed because you'll share it with somebody else. Some of you will just ponder in your heart your blessing and you'll share it with no one. And so we'll only know of those who have shared. We only know of this paralytic man that was brought before Jesus because he walked out. But there were others there without a doubt, without a doubt, that experienced the healing of God in their life because it was noised within the community. It was spoken in the community why? Because he is the living word. He is the living word. What do you need from the Lord today? What do you need to experience his healing today? If the worship team is here, they can come forward. What limitations have you put? Is there a rooftop over you? What is stopping you today? What's holding you back today? Jesus is here to minister his healing. Whether you are in need of spiritual healing or whether you are in need of a physical healing, Jesus is here to touch but put your glass under the tap. Put your glass under the tap that you would receive expectingly. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. And I'm just gonna ask you to just quietly between you and God, Ask him. Ask him this morning. I'm not in that conversation that you're having with God. I can't hear what you're saying to him or what he's going to say to you. This is a very private moment. I'm asking you, ask God, Lord, where is the paralysis in my life? God, where have I become crippled? God, is there sin that I have kept buried and hidden? Expose it to me right now that I may be set free. God, heal my body. Lord, what has had me bound? Some are here needing a true physical healing. You see, I believe, brothers and sisters, we are in a time that God needs to demonstrate his power. Because as he demonstrates his power, the enemy is going to be silenced. But maybe, maybe we're not knocking hard enough Maybe we're not carrying hard enough to the rooftop. Maybe we, we got to the rooftop, but we didn't dig in. Maybe we didn't take away the layers that were, t that were hindering us from getting through to the Jesus.
that was there before us. Spirit of the living God, from center to circumference, I pray right now, begin to speak to every man, every woman that is present. Begin to speak, oh God. Speak to the hearts of everyone that is here, whether it's something in their life or whether it's someone they must carry to you. Lord, Spirit of the living God, let us not leave here the same. God, we are expecting a breakthrough this morning like never before. And so uncap the well, oh God. Uncap the well. And let the rivers of the living water flow in this place. Healing waters, let them flow in this place. Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Go ahead, Josh. Just sing if you could. session with Jesus I'm going to ask you to come to the altar why do I have to come to the altar why do people around need to know we don't know what's in your heart we don't know what you're coming to the altar for but in that house they saw the man being lowered and they saw the man being healed and he went forth and their lives were amazed and they glorified God come to the altar come and surrender that area of your life whether it's physical healing whether it's sick and bound healing whether it's mental healing come and surrender it at the altar that when others see a change in you they would be amazed and glorify God Because you don't know that as you walk in faith to the altar, that someone in this sanctuary has been praying for you. And they will be encouraged because they've been praying for you. They've been praying you would be set free. They've been praying you would be healed. And as they see you take that step of faith, their faith is lifted. Their faith is encouraged. Make that step of faith this morning. I'm going to ask. Come. Come to the altar. As the praise team continues to lead us, come to the altar. Isaiah 54 says this. Enlarge the place of your tent. 
and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offsprings will possess the nations. And and will people the desolate cities. You want your life to be an impact? Don't hold back. Come to the altar. You want your the generations that are following you to be touched? Don't hold back. Come to the altar. Stretch out. And allow the spirit of the living God to enlarge your place. In the natural, that could be the enlargement of this house. But in the spiritual, it could be the enlargement in your spiritual walk before the Lord do not hold back do not hold back let faith arise this morning let faith arise and let the enemy be scattered let faith arise let faith arise hold nothing back let faith arise Whether you come for your need or the need of a friend. Whether you are being carried by the Spirit of God or whether you are carrying another before God. Come. Do not hold back. Do not hold back. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 